Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapters 17 and 18. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Now, an ephod is a priestly garment. It is a garment that is worn by the high priest only in the temple. So he's got his own priest. He's got his own house of gods. And this, you know, this is the textbook dysfunctional family. I mean, you think you got a dysfunctional family. This is a dysfunctional family. Everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. And then notice in verse 7. Now there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judah of the family of Judah. He was a Levite and he was staying there. The man departed from the city of Bethlehem in Judah to stay where he could find a place. And then he came to the mountains of Ephraim to the house of Micah as he was journeyed. And Micah said to him, where do you come from? And so he said, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am on my way to find a place to stay. And Micah in verse 10 said to him, dwell with me and be a father and a priest to me, and I will give you 10 shekels of silver per year. See, a suit of clothes, clothes and your sustenance. And so the Levite went in and then the Levite was content to dwell with the man and the young man became like one of his sons to him. So Micah consecrated the Levite and the young man became, circle that, his priest and lived in the house of Micah. Notice his priest, not the Lord's, his. Then Micah said, now I know that the Lord will be good to me since I have a Levite as a priest. Now, stop right there, give me your attention. The Levites were set apart, consecrated to be worshipers and workers in the tabernacle. The Levites were assistants to the priest and any, listen, any Levite could help in the temple, but only the priest, the priest had to come from the line of Aaron or a family known as the Kohatites. We, we dealt with this in the past. Only the line of Aaron could be actual priest. Now, in Numbers chapter 3, verse 10, it lists the cities that the priests or that the Levites lived in. But it's interesting because Bethlehem is not one of them. So this priest is out of place. This priest is not under any authority. This priest, as we'll find out later, his name is Jonathan. We'll find out in chapter 18. So this guy, this priest, is a maverick. He is a lone ranger, and he comes to Micah's house, and Micah said, hey, what are you doing here? And the man said, well, I'm a priest. I'm Reverend Bishop, doctor, minister, you know. 
And Micah went, oh, great, man. You know, this is my lucky day. Live with me and be my priest. And I'll give you 10 shekels of silver or a year's salary of food and clothing. The Levite said, great, I'm out of work, looking for a job. I'll do it. Now, remember, Micah appointed his son as priest, but now this new guy has come along and he's from the right tribe and the right pedigree. And now Micah makes this new guy the priest. But notice in verse 13, look in your Bibles again. Micah says, I know God's going to bless me because I got my own priest. I got the real deal, he's saying. I got, if you will, my own religion. And that's what he's doing here. Now, what Micah is doing is what many people do today. He is developing, here it is, his own backyard religion. He's developing his own backyard church. He is developing his own designer faith. He's got a priest, he's got an ephod, he's got an idol, he thinks, man, I'm in good shape. You know, in this, despite the fact that God said that you shall have no other gods before me. The question here is not whether the priest is actually a priest. He really is actually a priest. We can prove that in chapter 18. So being a priest, he understands and knows that God said, you will have no other gods before me. And he should have been the one to tell Micah that. And Micah actually knew that. So this guy is developing his own backyard religion. A little of this, a little of that. You know, what I think is right. A little bit of, you know, this from the church should be. And voila, I've got my own religion. Michael, Micah's got his own little religion, and it's convenient because the priest lives in his house. Now, that's convenient. The priest lives in his home. He didn't have to fight the traffic on the belt line. The priest lives right in his home. He found a way to have church in the convenience of his home. He could have been thinking, man, why make the effort to go all the way to Shiloh when I have church right here at home? Hey, sounds like a good idea. We can focus on the family. Have a radio talk show. You know, we can do our thing right here at home. Church is about the family, so let's have church at home. Now, keep in mind, understand something. The only place that God designated for the people to worship him is in Shiloh. The only place is where the tabernacle was located, was in Shiloh. Shiloh was the only place where the families were to come and worship God. But Micah said, come on, God, that's a hassle. It's too far from where we've relocated. Any reason will do. And as a pastor, you know, I've heard all kinds of reasons why people can't go to the house of the Lord. There are many, many people who are developing their own backyard religion. I've heard all kinds of reasons. I, people have told me, you know, hey, how you doing? I mean, you know, I haven't seen you in church in a long time. You know, well, you know, we got Little League. I'm like, well, Little League, every Wednesday and Sunday we have Little League. Really? And you don't see that to be a problem? Well, you know, we'll get over Little League with the kids and, you know, do all these things with the kids. I've had people tell me, uh, we, we, I said, hey, why don't you come to church on Wednesday night? Oh, well, you know, we, we got to go catch a movie. I'm like, you got to go catch a movie? 
Well, you know, our bowling league meets on Wednesday night. I mean, we, you know, and believe it or not, someone recently told me I can't come to church on Wednesday night because I got to catch an episode of American Idol. I'm like, hello, does that not strike you as a little odd? You mean you got to, and I'm not so sure about any show named American Idol. And all of America's like, yeah, 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 American Idol. Come on, man. Any old reason will do why you can't go to where God has designated for you to be in Shiloh. So they're developing their own backyard religion, designing their own faith, and it won't work in a time of trouble. This is the problem. You know, call on your backyard gods when real tragedy strikes your home. Call on your gods when cancer strikes your family or death strikes your family. Call on your backyard gods when mental illness strikes your family or your husband says to you, you know, I'm leaving and your children are forsaking you. Call on your backyard gods. They don't work. Remember 9-11? Makes me think of 9-11. Did you notice church attendance was up for about a month. Why? Because when the World Trade Centers came crashing down, designer faith and backyard religion can't help you. You know, we saw the beginning of an awakening around that time. I don't know if you've noticed, but there was a lot of talk about God. There was a lot of people going to prayer. I mean, people, churches were having prayer services, you know, every day of the week. And there was this huge awakening happening, and it happened for about a month, and then people went back to sleep. Why? Because backyard gods and designer faith doesn't work when difficulty comes, and listen, it will come. False gods don't work. Just like David said, they have eyes, but they can't see, hands, but they can't feel. They've got mouths, but they cannot speak. False gods don't work. And that's why it's perplexing to God and should be perplexing to you. Any false god, there's only one true and living God. His name is Jehovah. Amen, saints? And one true and living God. And he is the only God that can come to your rescue when you really need help. And so here Micah, he gets his priest, he gets the ephod, he gets his own religion. And then notice he says in verse 13, he says that I know the Lord will be good to me. Now, isn't that deceptive? He's deceived. Now, I can get my own God's. I can worship my false gods, and I know that God will bless me. I can design my faith the way I choose. People approach church and Christianity nowadays like a buffet bar. You know, I have a little of this. I like a little worship. You know, I like my worship just about like this, not too Pentecostal, not too dead. You know, I, I, I like a little a bit of teaching, but not so much teaching, because if I have to think too hard in church, well, then. <gasps> so I like a little teaching, a little preaching. And, you know, I really like at least one stained glass building in that Calvary Chapel Church in the business center. I don't know. That's not going to work. I mean, you know, and so I need a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And oh, here's my my religion. Here's my designer faith. 
Or, you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, I don't even need to go to church because I've got telepastor. <laughs> and, and telepastor, he comes on every Sunday at 10, and he always tells me the things that I like to hear. And so why do I need to go to church anyway? I mean, you know, I don't even need to go to a building, you know, despite the fact that God's word says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But someone once asked me, Ronnie, why do I even have to go to church anyway? I go, you need to go to church. One, because the Bible says so. Two, because if you're a Christian, God given you gifts and you are ripping me off if you are not coming to the church to exercise your gift. Now, if it's not in this church, then go to another one. But but God's given you a gift. God's given you a purpose. God's given you a, a, a place in a local body and you need to go there. And your teller pastor, your telepastor, hey, I tell you what, when, when your family's sick or there's cancer or death or whatever, tell you what, try getting your telepastor on the phone and say, would you pray for me, please? Would you pray for me? It's not going to happen. And so Micah's doing the same thing, designing his own faith, designing his own religion. Notice in chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, if you're with me, say Amen. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And in those days, the tribe of the Danites was seeking an inheritance for itself to dwell in. For until that day, their inheritance among the tribes of Israel had not fallen to them. So the children of Dan sent five men of their family from their territory, men of valor from Zor and Eshterol, which is where Samson's from, by the way, to spy out the land and search it. And they said to them, go and search the land. And so they went to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and they lodged there. And while they were at the house of Micah, they recognized the voice or possibly the accent or possibly even knew this guy from a previous acquaintance, but they recognized the voice of the young Levite. They turned aside and said to him, who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What do you have here? And he said to them, thus and so Micah did for me. He's hired me and I have become his priest. And so they said to him, please inquire of God that we may know whether the journey on which we will go will be prosperous. And notice what the priest said in verse six. He said to them, go in peace. The presence of the Lord be with you on your way. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. It sounds like the tribe of Dan had not received an inheritance when they came into the promised land, but that's not true at all. You might remember in our study, you might take a look at it later in Joshua chapter 19, when the children of Israel came into the promised land, Dan received a portion of that land that was squeezed between Ephraim in the north, Benjamin to the east, Judah to the south, and the Mediterranean Sea to the west. And so Dan was in the southern part, but they moved north. Why? Because Dan couldn't drive out the Amorites who were in their land. These Amorites, they were tough and they got tired of the warfare and they gave up and Dan moved north. In other words, they were trying to avoid the conflict to enjoy the comfort. We talked about that in Joshua chapter 19. And when they couldn't conquer their own land, they sent five warriors to the land that would be easy to conquer. And they came to the mountains of Ephraim, to the house of Micah. 
And while they were at the house of Micah, they recognized this Levite and they said, hey, what are you doing here? And he said, Micah gave me a job. I'm the new priest. And they said, really? And he said, "Okay, then ask God, will our way be prosperous as we go out to find land? And he said, probably in a real high priestly voice, Go in peace, my children, e plorbazunum, and giving them the cross sign and the, the whole nine. And oh, yeah, go in peace, my children. God will be with you. Now, listen at this. This is, this guy is a hireling. And this guy is telling them what they want to hear. The truth of it is, God is not with them because God gave them the land where? Down south. And they were afraid of the Amorites. And so God didn't move them up north to the area of Laish, which we'll talk about in just a second. They moved on their own, not God. And he's just telling them what they want to hear. You see, these kinds of prophets only prophesy good things because they're a hireling and they're not prophets of God. That's why they only prophesy good things. You know, I was thinking about, you know, these guys are like fortune cookies. Have you ever opened a fortune cookie and it didn't tell you anything good? They all tell you something good. You open a fortune cookie and it says, today you will meet someone special in your life. It's a fortune cookie. You know, they never tell you bad things. I mean, you know, what what if you open a fortune cookie and it said, you know, today you will meet a stalker who will have you, you know, stalking your life and you'll have to get a restraining order against them because she won't leave you alone. They should come up with unfortune cookies. (laughs) As these prophets, they're they're like fortune cookies. They always tell you what you want to hear. But they're hirelings, and a hireling will always tell the people what they want to hear versus telling them what they need to hear. Oh, go in peace. Oh, yeah, God is with you. God is not with them, and they should not go in peace. Notice in verse 7, so the five men departed and went to Laish, and they saw the people who were there and how they dwelt safely in the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. There were no rulers in the land who might put them to shame for anything. They were far from the Sidonians, and they had no ties with anyone. In other words, they had no military might, no physical strength. I mean, they were just a quiet people. And then the spies came back in verse 8 to their brethren at Zorah and Eshterol. And their brethren said to them, what is your report? And so they said, Arise, let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and indeed it is very good. Would you do nothing? Do not hesitate to go and enter to possess the land. And when you go, in verse 10, you will come to a secure people and a large land, for God has given it into your hands, a place where there is no lack of anything that is on the earth. This place, this area... Notice that this area is a beautiful, beautiful area. This is the area of Laish. And we visited, actually, oh, she's got pictures there already. We, we, we visited this area. You see those pictures? Those pictures were taken, actually, by a friend of mine. I, I actually took a lot of pictures when I was in Israel for the first, I think, three or four days. And then I was going through my camera, and my camera asked me, did I want to reformat the disc? I didn't really understand what that meant, so I said yes. 
and I lost all my pictures. So now I know what reformatting the disc means, and I shall never do that again. So, but these pictures, uh, a friend took these pictures, and, and this area is absolutely gorgeous. It's a beautiful area today. This picture, again, is one of the pictures that we have taken, is in the area of Tel Dan, and it's one of the three headwaters of the Jordan River. You got, I think you might have another picture there. I mean, look at that. We were walking through these areas and crossing through this very area that we're reading about right now in Laish. Right out of the ground, there's these torrents of bubbling water that, that rush out, and it's these beautiful large trees and vines and, and little paths and streams, and it is an awesome, awesome place in this area of Laish. Also in this area is a gate that has been excavated in the city of Laish. And this gate comes from, it's, it's actually a gated picture. There it is right there. This gate comes from Abraham's time. Isn't this fascinating? This gate comes from Abraham's time where Abraham visited the area of Lachish when the five kings of the north captured Lot. You might remember that story. They also uncovered many altars of the Danites, and that will be the picture there. Like, look at this. We were there. This is one of the original altars of the Danites. Again, very idolatrous people. So many altars because they didn't want to go to church down in Shiloh. This area is probably one of the most beautiful areas in all of Israel. This whole area, in, in, you know, the, this area of Laish is actually one of the, the, the headwaters where the, where the water comes from actually Mount Hermon. It melts and comes through, and then there's these, these, uh, these, these headwaters, these three headwaters actually that have all this beautiful water. This area where the Danites are dwelling is incredibly beautiful. It's an awesome, awesome area. And so you can see why even the Nanites wanted to, to be in this area. Again, probably the, one of the most beautiful areas in all of Israel. And when the Danites got to this area, they found the people living quietly among themselves. And the land is good and it's unprotected. And the Danites believe this is a good city to take over. And they make it their territory. Notice in verse 11. And 600 men of, of the family of the Danites went from there, from Zor and Eshtar all, armed with weapons of war. And they went up and encamped in Kirjath Jerom in Judah. Therefore, they called the place, that place to this day, there it is, west of Kirjath Jerom. And they passed from there, in verse 13, to the mountains of Ephraim, and they came to the house of Micah. And then the five men who had gone to spy out the country of Laish answered and said to the brethren, to their brethren, do you know that there are in these houses, an ephod, household item, idols, a carved image, and a molded image. Now, therefore, consider what you should do. And so they turned aside, and they came to the house of the young Levite man, to the house of Micah, and greeted him. The 600 men, armed with their weapons of war, who were of the children of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. Then the five men who had gone to spy out the land went up. Entering there, they took the carved image, the ephod, the household idols, and the molded image. The priest stood at the entrance of the gate with the 600 men who were armed with the weapons of war. And when these went into Micah's house and took the carved image, the ephod, the household idol, idols, and the molded image, the priest said to them, what are you doing? And they said to him, be quiet and put your hand over your mouth. Now, in the Hebrew language, this means shut up. 
and come with us and be a father and a priest to us. It is better for you to be a priest to the household of one man or that you should be a priest to the tribe and a family in Israel. So the question they're saying, is it better for you? These 600 men of the Danites, they come to the house of Micah. And the five men came into Micah's house and they took all the gods and, and, and the ephod. And they said, listen, would you rather be a priest of a household of one man or be a priest over a whole tribe and family? In other words, they're saying to him, you know what? We can give you a bigger church. Hey, today, a bigger church. Tomorrow, TBN, you know, we can give you more. Would you rather be over one man or over a big tribe? And then notice in verse 20, so the priest's heart was glad. Why? Because he was a hireling. And when you're a hireling, you're just out for the money. You don't, you're not out for the people. You know, the church is full of hirelings nowadays. Pastors who take positions. The church has become corporate. You know, I get resumes an email from people looking for a job. They send me a resume. And I absolutely never, ever, 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 no, not ever, do I bring someone on staff from a resume. Because the church is not an organization. The church is an organism. It is the living church of God. Amen, saints? It is not an organization. And when you start entertaining resumes and looking through the resumes, you know what you'll wind up with? Pastors who are hirelings. I'm not a hireling. I didn't come here for a job. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.